right. Thanks for coming on today, Dan. Really appreciate you taking the time. For the people who have not had the pleasure of meeting you, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and maybe a little bit about your center. Sure. My name is Dan Mowry. My family's been in the entertainment business for three generations now. My grandfather opened the center back in 1956, and I acquired it off the family in 2015. Grew up around the business, I enjoy the business. Never thought that would be my future, though, to be completely honest. <laughs> Moved out west, pursued other activities, and you start to see the bowling business and the economics of it. It's really a great business model. So it made mm -hmm. sense for me to get involved. And then that's when I decided to dive in. Okay. And so you've been at it for seven years now? Yes. So okay. I've been an owner for, if you count this year, then yes, seven years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you said it, it took you almost a full year to get the, the first deal yeah. uh, to line everything. Yeah. When we acquired it or when I acquired it, we got into an environmental issue. So mm -hmm. just working back and forth with the bank and doing the remediation, we had to dig up a parking lot. It really set us back. So the majority mm -hmm. of my budget ended up going for the renovations to digging up and refilling a parking lot, which doesn't make it very much. <laughs> Some people have all the fun. <clears throat> so we talked a little bit about how you got into it. How about from day one signing the paper to where you are now where you're having multiple locations and really turn things around from where it was sure the day i bought it i was expecting a parade and a victory and all this and nothing changes step one <laughs> buying a business is easy running one right. is very hard i dove in i was working 16 hour days just every day i couldn't really afford staff was doing most of it myself right out of the gate and over time i started to build a small team as more customers built and we grew revenues pretty substantially so when i bought it it was doing about 300,000 just shy of that. And uh, mm -hmm. we're closing at about a million and a quarter now. Wow. Yeah. We added about a million dollars over the past, yeah. call it the first five years. And that, and, and even including COVID, even right. though we were shut down, we saw like a 5% dip in business that year by year. Wow. Seven, but people really wanted to come out when they were allowed to. So we had some of the busiest months. That's incredible. So 5X. Yeah. Yeah. 5X. Wow. And then this year, uh, it's been our busiest year ever. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the spread, I mean, I, we've heard this throughout the industry, everyone right now. So yeah, very excited to see what happens this year. And then we took a look at other bowling centers because nationally, this is a pretty standard issue that these dated centers are they've reached a point where they either need reinvented or shut down mm -hmm. um, and, and i think there's a great opportunity there to expand just because these places are community hubs people love them it's really a, a historic portion of the community and people don't want to see it go away if the risk is taken the business is acquired and it's renovated i think there can be continued success with multiple locations and uh, we recently did that what was that, a year ago acquired a center down in berkeley springs west virginia and it's on a similar trajectory and similar renovation path and right out of the gate it's been very mm -hmm. busy which is great yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems like the community is really almost thankful for you guys coming in and turning something around that they can enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And it's still, I own two sets. It's not like I own mm -hmm. a couple hundred or anything. So starting, it's definitely in its infancy, but I definitely see a long-term path of growth here where this model mm -hmm. can be replicated. Uh, and it can be a great succession plan when people are like, Hey, kids don't want the business. I'm ready to get out. It, it can be a great way to say, Hey, I'm not selling it to become a truck drop lot. I'm selling it to mm -hmm. become 
a community staple, see some capital reinjected into it, see some renovations and pass the ball in a way that they can be proud of where it become. What yeah. And so you've, you know, talked a little bit about acquiring it and growing it. What about some of the specifics of things that you've done to grow it or, or that like you did with Berkeley Springs or the, the first midway you had, what are some things that got you to that five X point? Sure. To really successfully grow a business, but first and foremost, you need stable and consistent operations. So before you even start with business development, mm -hmm. step one is make sure consistency is occurring. Obviously, same hours, but same atmosphere at the same times of day, offering the same food, offering a consistent and really setting up a system where if you're not worth watching, the hamburger that's made by the employees is the same hamburger that you would have made and given to your customers. So really having stable operations is a fundamental need before the business can even grow. So once that has occurred and you have everything documented, so you have recipes for all your items, you have lists for what atmosphere you're providing on the weekends when it's for birthday parties, you have top hits and a set, uh, set volume and uh, G-rated TV on, and, yep. and and just really setting the atmosphere. Then on league night, it's dead quiet. TV's off, focused around bowling, uh, rock and bowl. Turn up the music, something a little more aggressive, and you're setting more a cool vibe where people are going to be drinking. So really mm -hmm. picking what it's going to be, but then doing that consistently week over week. That hey, Monday this is what it looks like. Friday, this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Sunday afternoon, this is what it looks like. So once you have that stable foundation, you can start to build the business and, and crank up revenue because otherwise you're cranking up revenue into something where you can't build repeat customers. Right. Um, and, <clears throat> and repeat customers are where your gravy is going to be yeah. because if you convince somebody to come back time and time again, you're not spending marketing dollars on them. You're not describing how they get there. They just walk in the door time after time handing you money. And since right. we all know bowling is 95 plus percent gross margin, it's incredibly mm -hmm. profitable if you can get yeah. people participating in it. So fundamental operations, and then you need to look at, okay, when's my business coming in? So what I did uh, first was I said, we're open from 9am until 8pm every day. And then on the weekends until 2 a.m. And we really looked at that and we're like, so, so when are we busy and when are we not busy? And uh, it really made sense to cut hours during the day and expand hours during the night on the weekdays and on the weekends, even trim back because after midnight, not much good is going right. on. So <laughs> yeah. uh, you have to be open after midnight, obviously, because people want to be out. But we decided it was best to close at one o'clock, like 1 a.m. Yeah. Uh, so once we had that uh, mix, then you start saying, okay, what, what are our product lines? So when we started, we had bowling, very small arcade, and uh, very limited menu because we had limited square footage, limited mm -hmm. equipment, just, just very limited. So that's what, what we had to sell. So, okay, let's start selling. We built birthday party packages, really beefed up the rock and bowl environment, offering great drink specials, turning up the music louder, mm -hmm. um, and, and really uh, trying to improve that. And one thing I completely forgot to add, and this was a huge portion of it, is spend some money on the center. Let people know you're reinvesting. So yeah. I started out with a budget of uh, 275000 a large 
chunk of that was burnt on the environmental remediation, but we still got to put like 200 into the center. So mm -hmm. just we focused around things that have three years or less ROI. If I spend this money here, am I going to be able to pull that money out quick? And if the answer is yes, we did it. If the answer is no, we wouldn't do it. New facade on the building? No, that's you're not going to get a dollar out of that. Right. New scoring, you can raise prices. New shoes, you can raise prices. Right. Uh, new flat screen TVs, so people can watch TV or bowl, so they stay longer because they're watching the game. Mm -hmm. You're going to pull more money out of people quicker. So right. uh, new stereo system, better environment. So we really invested in that as well as the bar. So we built a nice bar because if you can have people sitting there drinking, you're going you're to see a great return on that. So once that was accomplished, then we started marketing. Sorry, I, I forgot about that step, but that's an important mm -hmm. one. And uh, it, it helps you get some press. Mm -hmm. So go out to your local paper if you're going to spend some money. And, and people will really, they, they love to write about it. Allie gets a facelift. And then you've right. got some press in your arsenal too. Right. Yeah, that seems like. But then once you have that done, and then you pick where, what you want to sell and when you want to sell it. So mm -hmm. obviously, if you're going to sell out Friday and Saturday night with a wait list, don't do anything for that time. Just let it happen. If mm -hmm. that's already occurring, you don't need to be any busier. Right. So we're like, when do we need to be? We need to sell more birthday parties on the weekends. And during the week, we have uh, leagues several nights, but some nights we are flat out dead there yeah. wasn't a point to open and uh wednesday night wednesday and thursday were those two nights so monday tuesday monday and tuesday we had leagues wednesday thursday were completely dead friday through sunday we're busy in the afternoons and evenings but some birthday parties not a ton wednesday we started something called the average joe's league and it, it was a, a, a non-sanctioned fun prize wheel with colored pins and when they get a strike when it's a head pin they win a mm -hmm. prize Lots of drinking, and it actually turned out to be about 70-ish percent food and bev and 30% mm. bowling revenue. Wow. So What's a typical league compared uh, to that? Opposite of that. Really? They're literally opposite. Yeah. Your traditional leagues, they're coming in with 20 bucks. They're going to spend that 20. If you're going to charge them 15 for bowling, they're going to spend five on something else. If you're mm -hmm. going to charge them 10, they'll spend 10 on something else, but they're not spending over their weekly budget. Right. Where uh, these people, this was their night out. No, mm -hmm. Wednesday was the new Friday at that yeah. point. And I completely participated in it. So every <laughs> Wednesday, you're going hard and waking up with a hangover. But it worked and it's continued. Yeah. It's sold out and there's a waiting list. Uh, we have wow. 30 teams and it, it, it's working really well. That has gone well. And then Thursdays, we're like, this event, this day's dead. But once in a great while, people want to have an event and rent out the mm -hmm. whole center. So we're like, okay, let's reserve Thursdays for large events. Yeah. So now we hold Thursdays as a nonprofit fundraisers, large corporate parties, themed events and parties we host in house. But mm -hmm. Thursday is the day where it's, okay, this is more event-based. And then your community understands, hey, Thursday nights, that's event-based. So right. now we've found a way to pretty much be busy the whole week. So once mm -hmm. that was stabilized and we really got that rolling, it was time to find other things to do with the business because, okay, we've grown, but we're getting to the point where we need to double down and spend some more and honestly borrow some more. So it's not mm -hmm. like a half million in my account, I'm just going to spend it. A lot of these things I'll finance. So your debt to equity is at a healthy level. I, I think that's an amazing tool. Do you have a number you try to stay at or as like a reference? I would say, obviously... 
under 80%. But if you can be under 50%, that's super healthy. A, a lot of these centers are, are scared to death of taking on any debt. And uh, yeah. you, you really shouldn't be because your return mm -hmm. on capital is just, it's, it's so high. Right. Uh, and yeah. If you're spending mm -hmm. it on the right things. So yeah. don't just hope have a real plan around where and how you're spending your money and that's what we did we said okay so we've got 36 lanes and and my machines are 8270s so they're old lots of parts breaking down terribly expensive to keep them up and the whole bowling experience was substandard because our equipment was so substandard so we're like okay how can we solve multiple problems at once. And, and we looked at our lanes and said, okay, the bars, it needs more square footage. We need more room for other activities. We mm -hmm. only sell out peak season Friday, Saturday night for bowling. So we ripped out four lanes and cannibalized those machines for parts. Mm -hmm. So that really helped us get a boost in fixing up uh, the other machines when we ripped right. out four and just took all the good parts off there, put them on the other machines. And that really helps. So at first in that area, that square footage, so you've got four lanes out down by the bar and we're like, so what are we going to put in? We have tried, let's see now how many things, four or five different things. And uh, a lot of them flopped. Yeah. First, I built a band stage mm -hmm. uh, and we started doing bands indoors. And people enjoyed it. But the problem is a lot of people are like, I don't want to have to listen to this band. I just want right. to listen to music and bowl. This band's yeah. bothering me. It didn't work. I shut it down. Then VR came out. And this was the very beginning of VR. This is before, like now it's actually, okay, you can buy the kits and all. But I wanted to get into it. I bought some really first gen equipment mm -hmm. uh, before they came in kits and all of that. And we set up a VR and turns out people can't eat and drink very much and they don't want to be dancing around looking like an idiot. It's more of a home use thing. I, I do not see VR having a win long-term. I see augmented reality having a win because you're going in to have a social experience. Uh, yeah. But VR is too personalized, too isolated. People want right. to be to stay home. But yeah. uh, Or do one of those warehouse things that's only for that. Exactly. Exactly. That failed. So took that out. Then we tried putting some games out there like cornhole and stuff, but it, we didn't spend enough money to draw people to it. It was stepped. So that didn't work. So then we're like, okay, let's really do this. So we put in uh, a golf simulator, pool tables, and ax throwing. And okay. uh, it has been incredibly successful. So I would strongly suggest putting that in per square foot, way more profitable than bowling way easier to operate and you're pulling people in for other reasons pulling figuring out what your community will support and is interested in and 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 making that pivot it would definitely be worth uh, exploring for is that all three have worked really well or is one stuck out better than others or the, the axe throwing has been the most successful you're talking a two-month roi for wow. us it was, it was so fast yeah you know? man so you now it's just a, a cash flow yeah play at this point so it was, you, you plan to add more What's that? No, yeah. I think it's a fad. Mm. I think it's a make hay while the sun shines type deal or whatever that saying is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where yeah. it's okay. It was, it, it's been great. It's mm. making money now. Do I see it making money 10 years from now? No, I don't. Mm. So, yeah. Just maximize the amount we have, make as much money as we can. Right. Um, and keep that as a product line, keep it going as something else to do and, and allow it to, to go. 
Right. Um, well, and with a two month ROI, you only have to stay two months ahead. And that area has had so much success. We're continuing to add other amenities. We're ripping actually another six lanes out this June oh, wow. um, to add in duck pin, duck pin lanes that'll be string machines. And then we'll have six more lanes to use for parts for the other machines. So keep changing things, reinventing, moving stuff around and giving people a reason to come in. Bowling yeah. is fun and it's cool and it, it'll stand the uh test of time mm -hmm. but you need other things in your center for people to do yeah you just you expand your appeal right so if you have 10 times the things and you have 10 times the number of people who like that one thing and then you get more overlap and the one other thing we there's two other things actually three other things we added we added a better arcade you have to have a, a better arcade if you go to redemption arcade and you have prizes you'll see a, a massive increase in business from it and a massive increase in, in money coming in yeah from that seems to be um, a popular one that people really endorse per square foot it's amazing and it's mm -hmm. pretty automated it's not yeah. it doesn't take a lot of attendance it's very low liability it's a good business mm -hmm. and if you put the right games in at the right place you're going to make good money doing so and do you um, determine that stuff or do you work with someone who helps you with the games oh uh, both all the provider if, if you want to do a rev share that's great if you want to mm -hmm. buy them out that's great uh mm -hmm. either way um either your uh game supplier or if you're buying them out those companies will also give you a good gaming mix of, of what will uh work the best got it what were the other two you were saying we added a conference room and whiteboard just to have weekly mm -hmm. business meetings with it. it's really important to take a moment pause and forget about all the current flare-ups of all this we had a bad review oh it didn't show up for their shift or it's gonna snow what are we gonna do you get so caught up in the daily grind mm -hmm. you need to take once a week time to pause table all those things and say okay what are we doing on a quarterly or annually basis and where are we stealing steering this ship to, to really dial in the direction you're going or otherwise you're just going to wake up one day and be 30 years behind right. and maybe you do wake up and you're like shit i'm 30 years behind but <laughs> you can always just pause and say what is the direction here and where, where yeah. should we go in over the next 5 10 15 20 years and and then you start backing into that. I would say, although there is no way to determine the revenue produced from that room, yeah. I think it's one of the most valuable things we've added to our business, yeah. just a place for the team to meet and talk. Yeah. And you don't have to build a room, even if you just set aside a little conference table or something, but that's yeah. been very helpful. And the final thing, and this is a very large thing, our business, we're very busy during the winter. In the Northeast, that's just the way it is. You're packed in the winter and you're completely dead during the summer because there's yeah. nothing for people to do. It, it, people have no desire to do anything inside because there's nothing to do for over seven months of the year. So the few months you can go outside, people right. want to you know, have fires, hang out, and be outside. The seasonality of our business model is just a complete roller coaster. Q1, you're just printing money. Mm -hmm. Q2 dives, Q3, you're spending all the money you made Q1, and then Q4, it's going back up. If you look at that business model, you're seasonal. And in a seasonal business, you practically go bankrupt every year. You rip through all your cash, right. your best employees leave, all your customers disappear. So it's all falling away, and then you have to rebuild it every year. That's that's just a bad yeah, business model. Start over, right. 
So we looked at, okay, how are we going to eliminate this? There's got, there's got to be a way to change this and, uh, and really uh, stabilize business. We realized if people want to be outside, we have to build them something outside. So yeah. uh, we built a patio, 6,500 square feet with bocce ball, cornhole, fire pits, volleyball, mural, tents, outdoor seating, outdoor music, and then fenced it in and uh, really built a destination for the for the local population wow. and i had to give a shout out to the local economic development kadic cumberland county economic development they mm. gave us a hundred thousand dollars in the form of a grant towards the project which wow. really helped because it was yeah. a two hundred thousand dollar project it was a wow. matching grant and they gave us the first hundred towards it uh and the reason i reference that most places are willing to reinvest in the infrastructure of the area to give tourists, visitors, or the local population more to do. So yes. I strongly encourage owners to reach out uh, to their local economic development. And there's generally programs in place, either locally or statewide, that can really assist. So yeah, use those tools to your advantage. The ROI on that is... <laughs> immediate. So you're way ahead of the game at that point. So I strongly suggest that. But when we added that, it's it was a big lift getting it through the township. The township didn't want to cooperate, but we, we got it done. And I have to say, once I went in and explained to them why, they were fine with it. You might have to change legislation. A lot of bowling centers yeah. during the summer, uh, they're just grandfathered into, hey, this is indoor recreation. And now you're into outdoor recreation, right. different zoning. Just be sure to talk to the township. Don't get worked up with them and, and just work with them and explain your case and why. So that that really helped. When we added that in, that's dramatically increased business. Fill in the hole. Absolutely. And now we're making money every month. Oh yeah, that, that definitely helps. If you can be cash flow positive every <laughs> month, that's what you're looking yeah. for. More money in the bank than when you started that month. Yeah. That's, that's the secret sauce to having a successful enduring business. Then you don't lose the momentum either. Like you're yeah. saying, half of the problem was that you'd lose your momentum, come off a great busy season and then be dead in for six, seven months. And you're running scared. You don't yeah. want to spend money on a business that you're cutting cash into and depleting reserves. It just mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. When you get that stabilized, you can be making constant improvements. And that's something I remember my grandfather always mm -hmm. telling me, and I definitely agree with it. People always want to see something new. So don't just yeah. renovate everything and let it alone for five years and renovate everything and let it alone for five years. I have these strategic moves like adding the patio and whatnot, but when they come back, you got new seating or you remodeled your bathroom, just save up and spend a chunk of money on smaller changes and then use debt to finance large adjustments over time because mm -hmm. yeah. you're building equity then whenever it works. Yeah. So drip it out and then every once in a while do a big one. Exactly. Exactly. And have the big one. Don't let it be the salesman convinced you that this is the absolute best thing for my business. And do that by listening to listening to the world, not to your loudest customers. Yeah. If I listen to my loudest customers, I would have, I have, and I'm just going to throw this out there. Some of the shittiest bowling lanes probably in the business. <laughs> they're old wood lanes. They're beat up. Mm -hmm. And if I listen to my loudest customers, I'd have my leaguers, I'd have synthetic lanes in mm -hmm. and all brand new machines. And I'm not listening to them at all because that's not what the world needs now. The world needs a place for people to gather and have fun and have an affordable luxury. Uh, and that's the direction this industry is going. You just look at the revenue and where it's coming from and where it's growing. It's just what's happening. So you get on board or someone will take the business you have and they will 
move it in that direction. Listen to the right trends, do the research, talk to people that are successful in the business, figure out what they're doing, because this is a very small, close-knit community of center mm -hmm. owners, and we're all far enough apart that unless you're right next door, people explain how things work, you know, right. and how to really make money at them. And you're going to get your leaguers, and they come, when they see me, they'll come up and just start complaining like you're wasting all your money on this we need new machines we need this but the people who listen to that and they put in all new machines and all new synthetic lanes and don't do any other adjustments mm -hmm. i know several who've gone bankrupt from it it just right. doesn't afford it i would just and that that's my opinion i'm not saying it doesn't ever work i'm just saying uh moving in the direction of your loudest customers opposed to the people who are making the most money in the industry is mm -hmm. not a good move. Yeah. Show me the money, right? Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all here to make money. That's why you own mm -hmm. something. If you just like, go into a bowling center, sell it and just go as a customer. Better experience probably. You're in the business to make money. That's why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. So to summarize, I guess the rise that you guys have had as first is the consistency, almost like a McDonald's to get your operations that it's the same every time. Then it's, would you say it's the, the people getting them in place? Yes. Getting um, the right team in place. And then it's a matter of optimizing when you're busy or optimizing when you are not busy to be busier. So look for the holes in your calendar and then start taking a look at your product lines and, and what's paying and what people like to do. And yes. then, yeah. So, and then working on seasonality, use an outside option. If you have the ability, I, I think that, and then, like you said, just listening to your best customers, not your loudest customers. And there's about one right. final and very important step. Now mm -hmm. you have everything teed up for success. Mm -hmm. You got to get the word out. And like we've used your company and it's been a great result that, Hey, I'm the center owner. I know my customers best. I know what they want. I know what direction I need to move the business. I'm in here every day running it. All the granular details the internal team can do. But the world's still out here and they don't know. There's still right. people that come in seven years later. They're like, whoa, what? I had no idea. Yeah. You live mm -hmm. oh, about 10 minutes away. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you think everything's changing because it's right. changing in your world. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world, they don't care. They don't right. know. So you mm -hmm. have to reach them and you need to use the right people to reach them. So use a specialist like Topline to get the word out for you. Because if you spend all this money and you do all this hard work and you dedicate your life to it, and then you're not pushing it, you're mm -hmm. wasting all your, like, you, you want to talk about being penny wise and pound foolish. You just took a million dollar gamble and you're not willing to spend a few thousand to get to the very important step because now it's down to business development. You have everything teed up for success. Now have a real plan around marketing and sales, mm -hmm. not just, oh, we're going to post flyers on the door. That's not going to do shit. It's just not. It's just yeah, people. Yeah. You're marketing to people already coming in the door. Exactly. Good job. You might convince one in a hundred to come back for that thing. Good job. Right. But that's yeah. not going to keep the lights on. You got to get the word out and uh, the world's changing very rapidly. So staying on top and getting in front of people on their phones, that that's really what needs to be accomplished to have a successful, uh, a successful business in this in day and age. And that's everything from SEO to Facebook ad campaigns, to AdWord campaigns, to building a successful contact list of your best customers and getting them on a regular drip campaign and retargeting them. 
and, and using a CRM. Most small businesses don't even know what CRM stands for, mm -hmm. let alone having one. Getting the right one in place that's pretty automated and industry specific, I strongly advise. And, and, and finding someone who does this. Don't just, don't try to figure it out yourself. It is not worth your time. Just get the yeah. specialist the way you outsource things like your bookkeeping, your cleaning or, service or whatever yeah. you're outsourcing, just mm -hmm. get a specialist. And that would be the final, if you ask me to have a successful center in today's age and be able to be forecasting 20 plus percent growth on an annual basis continuously. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. To tie it all together. And like you said, let the world know that, Hey, we are, we do have a great product. We are making these changes. We are investing in our center and unless you have a way to go into it. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to get, you're going to want 50 to a hundred thousand people coming through your door a year. And if you're going to do that, it's hard to individually do that. There's literally right. not enough time in the day. Exactly. Phone books don't go as far as they used to. No. Yeah. Okay. So then let's, let's finish out with the progression. We went past uh, present. What about for the next three to five years? Tell us a little bit about where you see things going in the industry as far as three to five year projection. Sure. Uh, do you mean my business specifically or what I, what industry trends I see occurring? Both really. You're in the industry. So maybe a little bit about you specifically um, and how that relates to the greater trends that you're seeing and, and why you're deciding to do that. Sure. The direction I see Midway going in the next call it five to 10 years is refine our existing two locations and continue to grow them, build out our team and start to add additional locations, both new construction as well as acquisitions. Mm. So I see Midway growing to more location and then really dial that in and be able to replicate that, that people are either opening Midways or mm. we are just building out more midway. So yeah. that's the direction I see it going. So continue to refine our services and then scale that uh, to multiple locations because you're eventually going to hit a bottleneck. You can only fit so many people in the door before you're having diminishing returns that right. the, the, the guests aren't having a good experience. So you need to go yep. to multiple locations. That's where I see midway going. Trend, trends I see happening in the industry, the adoption of technology, people want uh, a clean, easy, visitation experience done through their phone before they arrive at your center. They don't want to be having cash and then they want to walk out. So just this whole mobile payment, walk in, bowl, leave, that is a more on-demand experience that people can reach wherever at any time. And we actually invested into a company that we're building out called Bowl Now, and it's an application that does streamline the customer's journey to your center to assist with this. That is something I would also strongly recommend is digging in picking what your tech stack is going to be because this isn't slowing down. And I would say something about technology, it's becoming more and more modular. So old industries like uh, bowling, they start as very interdependent business models where a few key players control everything uh, right. because they have a monopoly. So they can demand this. So everything's incorporated. Oh, you want to tack this on? That's 10 grand. Oh, you want to tack this on? That's a hundred grand. But technology chips away at that from the bottom that says, we'll let you do this for 50 bucks. Hey, right. we'll let you do this for free. Hey, you can do this for a hundred dollars. So it starts to eat away at that. And then you need them still for core services mm -hmm. uh, and they continue to move up market and they are great businesses. There's some great players in the space, but technology will continue to chip away at these things. So Keep your eye out for techs that are on the tech stacks that are on the rise that could help your business. So I think technology adoption will be a huge trend. That's number one. Two, 
the staffing crisis. This is not going away. These jobs have been uh, have been removed uh, and they're not coming back. The people are like, oh no, people will need jobs again. They'll come back. It's not going to happen. If somebody's not going to come work for 10 to $15 an hour, getting yelled at by customers weekends and nights when you can build system and not need as many bodies and really focus on a few talented people opposed to just trying to throw as many low qualified individuals at the situation as possible. And this will be done from restaurant equipment that cooks its own meals. I see that coming. So that'll reduce the need for a kitchen staff because that's a very hard area to fill to the front counter where between the camera system, mobile check-ins and whatnot, kiosks, Kiosk. mm-hmm. if people are just walking in, they're getting their own shoes or returning at the end. They know they're being watched. Mm-hmm. They're okay with it. It's just like everywhere else. You saw right. it happen in the grocery business. It's right. Come to our, and the, these trends are not changing. People are like, well, I still want the good old experience. There's a lot of people that don't. Most of the new generation doesn't want to interact. They want to yeah. walk in. And they want, I don't want to talk to anybody. Exactly. And I've seen it at my own center. I walk in as a customer to do an audit and experience the energy and the vibe. And if I walk in and somebody who clearly doesn't care about their job is texting on their phone, I would rather see no one there. So now you're paying somebody to not care and do a mm-hmm. poor job and upset the customer. Mm-hmm. Skip that, get rid of it. So I, I don't see the labor crisis changing. I see it honestly getting worse. So I think really focus around systems and procedures that can automate the bowling experience. And there's a lot of B2B companies working on this now that'll help with assistance with that because bowling's not going anywhere. It's been here for centuries. It'll be here for centuries. And we just need to adapt to current trends and continue to move in that direction. I also see string machines becoming the standard. I, it's easy to fight this trend and I understand why people do. It is a different game, but once again, you, you don't need a mechanic. So you can not get rid of that person because you need uh, building maintenance. You need right. somebody to help clean. You need somebody to help do all this stuff. So get them off of crawling around those machines when you're so limited on bodies and you have one of your highest paid best people help with the rest of the business. So you're freeing up a core person. And then once that person retires, replace them with somebody who can be out front and help run the business with you. And they save on electricity, they save on maintenance, they're low liability, and it takes less operations and you don't need a pin chaser all the time. So to Mm -hmm. me, it's a no brainer to move in that direction when it makes sense, because due to the cost savings associated with them, that investment will pay for itself. Right. Uh, And earlier in the call, when I was talking about don't replace your machines, don't replace them with other free fall machines, not string machines. What's the typical ROI payback for string machine with the, everything in it? I really think it depends, A, how many lanes you have, B, the labor market in your area. But when I was looking at the economics, uh, it, three to five years is where mm-hmm. I come in. Ask your salesman, he's probably going to say one. Two. Three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But uh, I would say three to five, max seven. So if you finance that, even with an equipment, you're right on the money that you're going to get your money out of it pretty quick. But once again, if you talk to your local economic development, there's incredible money out there. Yeah. That's honestly, it's below the price of tying up your own capital. Right. And then once again, you're building more capital and more cash and reserves that you can allocate where it best suits your business or right. take it for your personal life. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So basically if you need to replace it, then that's a good option, but don't do it before. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
don't rush into it but when the mm -hmm. time is right for you don't be afraid to pull the trigger <laughs> yeah okay so here the, the next piece i wanted to go through was just a couple of specific questions so the first one that i want to ask you is what's your biggest challenge for today you know what, what's the big, biggest challenge you're facing at midway the biggest challenge i'm facing at midway that is a good question. Honestly, I would say it's the opposite problem of when I got in the business. When I got into it, it was not enough business mm -hmm. um, and too many bills and uh, too many people saying, oh well, yeah, I'll work for you. And now it's a dead opposite. Post-COVID, people went out of the house. They realized how much they miss social situations. We're slammed with business, which is great. We're very busy, which is very, it's good. And I'm happy about that. But the, the, uh, the problem is, customers are not the same. They're more rude. They're more demanding. They're not treating our employees as well. And there's less people uh, willing to work. So I would say the fact that we have more uh, and more aggressive customers and less employees, it obviously makes it a very profitable enterprise at the moment. But at the same time, you're looking at you're looking at a very hard time on our staff. We've got a few core, very dedicated members, but it, it's hard on them. It's very busy, and it'll wear you down. Yeah, that I would say is the hardest thing at the moment. Getting enough uh, staff. Yeah, getting enough staff and making sure that they have a good work life balance where they're happy with their jobs. Yeah, yeah, in the work environment with the the customers. What, what do you think has changed about the customers? I, I really think COVID did impact people. Like I think it impacted society. Making us stay home that long and just being that isolated. People have come out of it. And I don't know if it'll go away, but I've definitely noticed customers are more rude, more demanding, expect mm -hmm. more. But they have not complained about price. That's one thing that I have noticed. With inflation and stuff, I would strongly suggest people to raise prices at this yeah. time. If you haven't for a while, that's the one thing they've not been complaining about. It's more they they want things more on demand. They want it now. They don't okay. want to wait. They want it now. If they show up before, if you said, "Hey, we're packed," there's a wait list. So people are mm -hmm. like, "Okay," and they've just been less uh, accommodating for those type of uh, instances. Interesting. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of that. People talking about more rude customer interactions, but I'm just curious where that stems from. And I think it's also because there's not as many staff. So you're having few, fewer people spread more thin. So I think society is somewhat frustrated with everything. They go to the grocery store, no one can help them. They come bowling, there's not enough people to assist them. These trends aren't going away and it's natural to react that way. But I, I do think that's uh, a trend that will continue. Setting up systems where customers are more reliant on technology, where they can yell at an iPad all they want, blame the business. They just yeah. blame the iPad and then right. they get bowl and they leave. Moving in that direction. And it's easier to find another iPad if that one quits. iPads don't <laughs> steal from you. They don't show. Right. That's good. So then, yeah, I guess the, the next question kind of piggy, uh, piggybacks on that one is how are you handling recruiting? So right now, going into summer, I think we're good with our existing team. But we'll post ads now hiring on our Facebook and whatnot. And it's been okay. It, it, it's a hard nut to crack, especially with our area, just because of all the warehouses around who right. Amazon's right down the road and pay a ton. I'm trying to make it a, 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 the fact that there's flexibilities and the work environment is better than going to a warehouse. So sure. trying to take a competitive advantage against it. And I know your company, the campaigns you've put together, although we haven't started one yet, we're excited to because really selling the idea that, hey, this is a good place 
to work, fun place. I mean, then your competitive advantage is the fact that you've got an environment that's not, it's not just your standard job. You're in a fun place around. Right. Yeah. Especially with the warehouses and other places, like the pay is not a competitive advantage. If anything, it's a detractor. So then it's a matter of how do you outsell your competition? Because before in a market where there's more uh, applicants than jobs, you don't have to worry about selling your jobs. They need a job. But when it's reversed, there's more jobs than people. Now you got to sell your job to say you should work here instead of somewhere else. And so we've really, we're working on a program and uh, a system to be able to help people sell their job better to the candidates and and fix that problem. Because I think you're right. It's not going away anytime soon. No, before it was, how do I build business? How do I build business? Now Mm -hmm. it's, how do I keep operations going on without my people walking off because they're so overworked? You know, that's nature of the business right now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So then the last one I just wanted to ask is the number one piece of advice you would give to a proprietor. If someone's buying a center today or they're running a center and they say, Dan, what's the one piece of advice you would give in today's business one piece of advice that i would give i'll break that down into two to a new center owner somebody just getting in the business talk to all of us go to the industry trade shows take the keynote experiences they have there and the training Mm -hmm. programs and get really involved there's uh, it's a small industry. We're all trying to help each other. And it, it's something where we're all in this together. And when centers went from over 10,000 to down to less than half of that throughout the past 30 years, most competitors are gone. So now right. at this point, you have less people who are more clicky. So it's it's a, it's a almost like a family of center owners. So unless it's a direct competitor, people are going to be very willing to help share numbers. Yeah. So really get involved, go to the trade shows, go to your local meetups and meet these people and figure out what works for them and what doesn't work for them. So that's the advice I'd give to new center. Existing center owners, the advice I would have is back to when I was talking about the conference room. Don't let the daily grinds have you making short-sighted decisions and really take time for yourself and pause and reflect on where you want to move your business. I think that's very important to take time to plan it out, to write it down and, and then tell the right people tell your key people this is where i want to see this go over the next five ten years because i see so many people in this industry that are sitting there now and they're like wow i've worked this 10 years longer than i wanted i didn't reinvest in my son now my hands are tied and i don't know what to do so really look down the road what is your succession plan uh do you want to be doing this 10 years from now first make up that mind if you still want to be an owner 10 years from now great back into that start making capital improvements all right you want to sell uh, drive up your EBITDA multiplier and get your business as profitable as possible so you can obtain the highest cash out amount. But look a little further down the path. Forget you're even in the bowling business and just remember you're in business and you're in business to make money. So how are you going to do that the best way over time? And how's that going to impact your life and what involvement do you want long-term? So really think about that. Yeah. To really get clear on your goals and then working on the business rather than in the business. Exactly. And I I have to say of of the entertainment assets I'm involved with, I think bowling is the most bomb proof and the most enduring of of all the businesses we're involved with. So I I would say that you're in a good business. So figure out how you want to position yourself within that business. I like that. That's really good. Okay. Appreciate you coming on. We've gone a little bit over on time, but I appreciate you hanging on here. You've you've shared some really good wisdom um, that I am excited to share with people. 
And you mentioned the talking to other owners. That's the whole premise of this podcast is to talk to the owners and you can't always get face to face with all of them or contact all of them. So we're going out and talking to them and then bringing back all the best ideas. So you're exactly right. People are pretty willing or proprietors are pretty willing to share what's working for them. And so that's what we're here for as well to, is to share that. But if people want to get in touch with you or, or what you're working on, what's the best way for them? To you can share my email, shoot me a text, 717-448-5180. I'm always willing to talk to other owners and, and be involved because like I said, I, I want to see everyone be successful in this industry. Our centers are very rural. They're doing very well for rural centers. There's urban centers that are doing, you know, four or five million if they have the right product mix. There's a variety of connections depending on your demographics and your, uh, and your, and your goals for your business that I'd love to help with. Yeah. If anyone needs anything, just reach out. Oh well, yeah. We very generous of you. Thank you. Awesome. Again, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. I think this is, you know, really worthwhile. Someone listening. It's been a great episode, but yeah, we're going to, you're going to be at Expo, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Come see me. I, for the software, we rented a booth and it's booth 744. So stop by. We're doing a happy hour pre-expo party on Thursday, 2.30 to 4. So good time to stop right. and drink and uh, chat a little bit about the business. Yeah, I know I'll be there. Yeah, it'll be yeah. fun. Cool, man. Thanks again. Um, I'm sure we'll link up soon. Awesome. Have a great right. day. You too.